Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. And we are the parents of four kids under the age of six. We know that parenting can be tough, but it's also the most important thing we have ever done. Each week, we'll share stories from our family and discuss what we're learning as we parent in real life. And hopefully, we can learn something from each other along the way. So join us once a week as we laugh about the highs and lows of parenting. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of Parenting in Real Life. Today we are going to be talking about temper tantrums. And so we thought it would be fitting to talk about a temper tantrum we've experienced as parents. And Alexis is going to tell you about that. Yes, and so we'll be talking a lot about our kids. I thought it appropriate to talk about us for just a moment. So I remember when Cammie was small, she was our only kid at the time, and I was feeding her lunch and I was feeding her yogurt and she kept spitting, like, you know, spitting with her lips and the yogurt would shoot out and it would get all over me and and she kept doing it and I kept telling her to stop. It was just getting really frustrating. And so I just got so upset that I dipped my fingers in the yogurt bowl and I just rubbed yogurt all over her face. (laughs) (laughs) She just... She just looked at me like, what just happened? And I just just started laughing, and I, I just realized that what I had done was extremely silly. But I was just feeling really frustrated, and luckily, you know, she won't remember that. <laughs> now uh, she will. Yeah, now she will. It's uh, recorded. But kind of like what Alan talked about in Episode 7 about mirror neurons that our, our kids imitate us. So the temper tantrums aren't a great idea for adults to have in front of our kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We just wanted to thank uh, a couple of people that have commented on Alexis's Instagram post about how you deal with toys in your house. Carrie Lynn, our friend, said, We've gone through the kids' toys so many times, but somehow the bins still stay full. It's magic. I don't know how to explain it. We take out bags and boxes. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though you go through everything, somehow the bins are still full. So true. Top five mom, she said, we hardly have any toys as my daughter seems to like just moving objects from box to box to keep her happy. We've got a play kitchen coming for her second birthday this weekend, and I'm hoping it will keep her out of my cupboards. Totally hear that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, our son, he really, uh, Jack, he really likes the kitchen that the kids have, actually. That's usually one of the toys he goes to the most, but... He still plays in our pots and pants, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's downstairs and the other one's upstairs. Yeah. I do think that, in general, kids like non-toys way better than toys. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we want to talk about a couple articles that all have to deal with tantrums. And this actually was a recommendation from one of our devoted listeners, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> the article is called, Parents, It's Okay for Your Toddler to Have Tantrums. And this was found on Deseret News. And the other article that we found was one on parents.com, and we'll, we'll link to both in the show notes. You can go back through those articles if you like. From the article on Deseret News, uh, they talked about a report that was published in the Journal of the American Academy of Nurse Practitioners, and they said it's normal for kids to have temper tantrums. Basically, that kind of sums it up right there. <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are having uh, temper tantrums. It's normal. And they said actually 5 to 7% of toddlers can have temper tantrums lasting 15 minutes or more at least three times a week. That's long. I don't think our kids have ever really done that. Like a tantrum longer than 15 minutes. 
Yeah, and I don't know if that's a reflection on us or just them or what, but that that would be a long temper tantrum. So if you're dealing with that, we hope that this helps you because <laughs> that, that would be really hard. And they said that, I mean, 5 to 7%, so obviously not a lot of people are experiencing that, but it does happen. Um, so they talked about how the best way to handle temper tantrums is to prevent them, but um, of course there's a way to manage the effects of them, so we're going to talk about both. We thought we would start with how to manage the effects of a tantrum. So tantrums are developmentally appropriate. This happens between 18 months and 3 years old. And they always talk about the terrible twos, but really it happens like 18 months. It's way before that. Yeah. Six months before that. Alexis' sister, her son's like just barely one, and he's already like full-blown temper tantrums. Yeah. Jax was a pretty good fit, and he's 10 months. Yeah. It's different than like a 18-month-old's temper tantrums, mm-hmm. but I think it varies obviously with kids. But it is normal. I think that was the comforting thing there. Like, yeah. kids do this, and it's interesting, not only normal, but it's appropriate. They talk later about how toddlers aren't little adults, and sometimes we want them to be. This is actually the best way they know how to express their feelings. Mm-hmm. This isn't them being stubborn and just choosing not to express their feelings. They don't have the words. Yeah, They don't connect words and... Uh, feelings yet. And so this is just them doing their best to let the world know how they're feeling about something. Yeah, definitely. So along with that, they usually use their bodies to express themselves because they don't have their words by screaming, kicking, um, hitting. Our kids bite. You know, there's a lot of different ways they could uh, manifest that. So they said you could teach your kids how to use those feeling words so they can start to identify those. One of our um, favorite TV shows for our kids is Daniel Tiger. He does this little song. I'm not going to sing it because I don't. When you're feeling <laughs> mad like you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. And then they count to four. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. That was great. Anytime. <laughs> they talk a lot about emotions through their episodes, and it's helping. At first, I thought it was kind of strange how much they talked about emotions, but really, this is how you're going to help your kids learn to identify those feelings right and start using those words and then they can start working through that as they get older they can never get past tantrums if they don't have the words right so Mm -hmm. whether it's daniel or you like help validate your kids feelings like are you feeling frustrated or are you feeling mad are you feeling scared you know try and give them the words to to express themselves Mm -hmm. also at this age they learn the word no and they ever (laughs) yeah and I learned, you learn to hate that word <laughs> as a parent. Um, but they're trying to assert authority. They're trying to become more independent at this stage of life. And uh, it makes them feel confident and starts building their self-esteem when they can tell you no. So they just start using that word more. Uh, yeah, that was interesting to me. It's a self-esteem booster for a little kid to look up at their big parent and say no. <laughs> Which doesn't make me feel good about it, but it's kind of interesting. <laughs> And I've heard, I've read other articles in the past about how parents should try not to say no so much because yeah. kids do pick up on that. You know. For a lot of reasons, I think yeah. it's also. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing you can do to help manage the tantrum is just ignore it. Now, this article, I thought it was interesting. They kind of talked about ignoring it with like a last resort. And I didn't necessarily agree with that. <laughs> because It's our first resort. <laughs> yeah. I feel like ignoring tantrums is, is a good thing to do because... It's not giving them the negative attention that they want attention, whether that's negative or positive. Right. And so if you're feeding that attention, 
they're going to keep doing tantrums because they're getting attention. Right. You know? And speaking of developmental, it talks about how at this age they can't express their feelings, but they have learned cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And so if the cause for them is if I throw a fit, I get attention, and they like that feedback loop, they'll keep doing it. If you support that by giving them attention when they throw a fit, then they're just going to keep throwing a fit. Not because they think it's the right thing to do, but because they think it's the way you get attention. Mm-hmm. So I found another article. This is the one from parents.com that had some more ideas for managing tantrums. And they actually said that ignoring tantrums was good. And Jay Hoker who is a Minnesota pediatrician, said, During a tantrum, your child is literally out of his mind. His emotions take over, overriding the frontal cortex of the brain, the area that makes decisions and and judgments. That's why reasoning doesn't help. The reasoning part of his brain isn't working. And so I think that's why ignoring can be a good thing because you can't sit there and talk to them about, you know, why they shouldn't be throwing a tantrum or maybe even at that moment, it's hard to identify feelings, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of ignore it, walk away, let it happen, and then talk about it afterwards. I mean, we've joked about this, but we really do, like, leave our kids crying and screaming in the aisle because it usually ends the tantrum. If you try and, like, console them or talk to them or, you know, negotiate with them, in our experience, it just keeps it going. So if you just leave them there in the aisle, usually they're like, oh, well, my audience is gone, and so they stop. Um, so it's not because we're jerks that we leave them in the aisle. It's because it helps them realize, oh, this this isn't the time or place, and it's not working, so try another strategy. <laughs> uh, another thing you could do is create a diversion, just divert their attention somewhere else. And this is something that I think is a big strength for Alan. He he taught me this as we had kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm diverting. What can I say? I I just try and, like... Actually, my sister, Annie, she's the one, or maybe my mom, whatever, i surrounded by smart people. Um, <laughs> they both give the kid some water. When a kid's freaking out, if you give them water, they can't freak out because you have to swallow. <laughs> so if you're like, hey, do you want a drink? And they're like, eh, whatever. And then they start drinking and they can't keep crying or yelling or whatever they're doing. But in general, I think if you can just get them distracted on something else, and kids are pretty easy to distract you know, like, oh, look at that. It's a dog or whatever it is. There's almost always something nearby that you can distract them with, whether it's a game or something around or whatever it is. Yeah, some of our kids have definitely been better that are more distractible than yeah. others. Like, Cammy and Nathan, you can easily distract them off their tantrum. Mm-hmm. But Chloe was a little more difficult. Still. She would just cling on whatever that was, you know. Yeah, still yeah. a little bit. <laughs> She's a slow burn. Cammy and Nathan explode, but Chloe just, like, festers and... And so she doesn't throw as bad of tantrums generally Mm -hmm. in terms of just like overall helping her express her emotions. It's tricky. Yeah. Takes her a little bit longer, I think. You can also give your kids a hug. Cammie and Nathan, again, their personalities are very similar. You just, if you give them a hug, that helps release a lot of that tension. They just, you know, if Nathan's crying on the floor, I'm like, Nathan, do you need a hug? And he'll say, yeah, and he'll, or I'll go pick him up or he'll come over to me. And sometimes he just needs to kind of squeeze it out. Mm Mm-hmm. Cammie's one where, like, and this just speaks to Tanner intensity, we must have told her, like, go scream into a pillow. Because that's what people say, and she does that, like, and really, like, needs it. She will get a pillow, and you can hear her through the pillow just, like, really hollering, but she comes away from it, you know, calm down to some degree, and so whatever works. 
And for sanity for parents, you know, you're going to be in public and tantrums are going to happen. So when you go home, you can just kind of laugh it off. And I thought it was interesting that they also said that we know from studies that the only thing people judge is your reaction to the meltdown. I didn't know studies were done on this, so that was pretty cool. But, I mean, it's true. You see a kid throwing a tantrum and, I mean, that looks pretty normal, right? Like, uh-huh. you're not necessarily judging the parent that their kid is having a tantrum. What you do notice is how the parent is reacting. Are they calm? Are they frustrated? Are they yelling at their kid? You know, or are they just moving on? So if you're worried about judgment from other people, just the more calm you are in the public situation, the better. And then you can just go home and laugh it off. I saw a meme or something this week where it was like, I am now the mom that I was judging, you know, a few years ago, (laughs) wondering like, why can't that woman take control of her kids or whatever it is? I totally feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, not that I was like a big judger of parents before because I came from a family of six, but I just feel so much pressure to like not be that dad, you know, that ha- mm-hmm. can't control his kids, especially since we have so many kids. And, and so that, you know, that's an interesting insight that like they're looking at you much more than the kids, you know, people understand how kids are, but they want to see that the adult is in control, calm. And, you know, handling the situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that great at that either, but now I, at least I know what to worry about. <laughs> so now preventing tantrums. Um, there are definitely things you can do to help prevent your kids from throwing a tantrum. Often um, they'll have triggers, and those are often uh, hunger, illness, frustration. So if you can find ways to prevent those uh, situations, then you're more likely to prevent the tantrum. Yeah. We've talked about this. For our family, it's mm-hmm. hunger, uh, extreme heats, either being extremely cold or hot, and sleepiness if they get tired. Our yeah. Kids our kids melt it. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things you can do to help prevent them, uh, the these tantrums, are having an established routine. Um, this is something that I feel really strongly about. I got my degree in elementary education, and we talked a lot about this, having routines for your kids during school and then also at home as parents. If your kids know what to expect and not surprised, then they're more likely to be okay with whatever is going to happen next. Like after lunch, we always do nap time. So Nathan knows that after we eat, it's nap time. And even though he might fuss a little bit that he doesn't want to take a nap, it's really just like a few seconds of him saying, no, I don't want to take a nap. But then we go upstairs and he's okay with it because he knows this is what we do every day. We do lunch, then we do naps. Mm-hmm. We can also give our kids choices. And when you're doing that, it's important to give them choices that you're okay with and also kind of limit the choices. So just give them two things. Like, you know, would you like to wear the blue pants or the red pants? You know, and make sure... Whichever one they choose, you're you're good with that too. Yeah, and you know all all parenting advice. I think you have to take for what it is. Like that mm-hmm. works with Cami and Nathan. Chloe like is very aware of other choices, and she's already set her heart and life dreams on the <laughs> other thing. And so you That's can't true. really <laughs> give her the two choices. Like she'll make you dig down to the bottom of the dirty clothes hamper to get what she really wants. But but I think in general that's a good idea. That is very true. It definitely depends on your child, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also carry snacks with you. This would help with the hunger issue. I usually keep 
some fruit snacks or crackers in, in my diaper bag all the time. So that way, if going to a store takes longer and the kids are starving or if we're in the car and, you know, something takes longer than usual or people are just hungry, if you have snacks prepared, it helps those meltdowns happen less. Yep. Um, and then finally, to childproof your home, this helps prevent frustration, you know, for your kids if... So they're not always touching things. You don't want them to be touching and taking things away. So if they're if those things are just not at level for them, then it just takes away from all of the frustration for your kids. For sure. That's why sometimes it's hard to go to fam- family members' houses or uh, friends' houses where it's not as childproof because you just feel like, I'm just wrangling my kids the whole time because I feel like they can't touch everything. So yeah. certainly... Do yourself a favor and make sure your house isn't one of those places. <laughs> the last thing um, that they talk about is teaching self-regulation. And so I think this is like the end game, right? Like eventually your kid's not going to be <laughs> throwing tantrums, hopefully. And so teaching them how to get through this. How do I feel these feelings, feel this frustration, and, and still get out of it? Mm-hmm. So one thing it said is practice taking turns. And I thought that was a really good thing. And this was like one of those things that in hindsight I was like oh yep that is a good thing because I remember Nathan when he was just entering this phase we were playing I can't remember what we were doing we were we were doing something we were rolling a hula hoop and trying to jump through it or something crazy but we would take turns right like Cami would go and then Chloe and then Nathan and Nathan for whatever reason at his developmental stage he could wait for one person so it was like he went and then Chloe went but then when a, a, a second person went before he got to go again, it blew his mind. And every time he would have a meltdown. <laughs> and I was like, Nathan, it's okay. Your turn's next. There, there's just two people between you and, and your next turn. And he just couldn't get it. And so that's one of the ways you can teach that self-regulation is like put them in situations where you do have to wait and you have to get frustrated. And then eventually, maybe not that day, but now he's to the point where he can wait for two people. I don't know how he would handle three people, (laughs) but he can handle waiting for Cammie and Chloe. And that really helps with, you know, when they get into preschool and stuff and they start being in those situations with other kids, if you've already prepared them, then they're going to have less meltdowns in preschool and be able to figure out those social moments a little bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. Another plug for big families is, like, they get to experience that at home before mm-hmm. they go out in public. Nathan has a sharing problem. Part of that's because he has so many siblings, right? Like, he's learned that if you want a toy, you have to be able to tackle somebody Fight for, for it, it. <laughs> literally. And uh, so we kind of have to rein it back in. But we also talk a lot about sharing. And so I think when he's in public places now, he's doing a little bit better at sharing with the other kids because we talk about that a lot. Nathan, you need to share. And he gets it. He's it's same thing with turn-taking, right? Like you're giving him chances to experience that negative emotion of like, why do I have to give my stuff to other people? And they get to practice that at home before they take it on the road. Mm-hmm. You can also give them positive attention, you know, positive reinforcement, positive praise, so this can help encourage your your toddlers to want the positive praise rather than just any attention, whether it's good or bad, but to, to try to get that positive attention. Mm-hmm. And so if you just try to focus that a little bit more, you know, notice when they do good things and, you know, tell them when they're doing a good job or whatever. And then hopefully that'll help them see that that's what, that's what makes them feel good is the positive things. Yeah. This is like core to 
my mom's <laughs> parenting slash child psychology theory is that, and I think about this all the time, is like the number one desire for most kids is attention. And so if you remember that, that like that's the most valuable thing in the world to a kid, then be very conscious of when you're giving them attention. If you're giving them attention when they do good things, then they'll do more good things. If you're giving them attention when they do bad things, then they'll do more bad things. And so that positive praise, even though sometimes I feel like I'm really digging, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to find some good things because some days are just like that, it's it's still really important. And kind of also reading through this, I just, and from having two kids that have gone through this stage already, two and three-year-olds, just those stages just kind of stink. Buckle know? up. <laughs> I I keep telling Jack, you know, because he's ten months old. I'm like, don't be three. Let's just let's just skip to four. You know, you <laughs> skip two and three. You just shoot right up to four because they're just difficult years. According to uh, these articles, that seventy percent of parents report difficulty with the ages between two and three. So most kids are gonna be hard during the ages of two and three. And the other thirty percent are lying <laughs> because all kids are bad at two and three. That is nuts. <laughs> And this doesn't mean they're going to have developmental issues. It's just part of life. And we promise four is better. Like once our kids hit four, you see a huge change. Mm -hmm. You know, our girls are tons better, way less tantrums. They still, you know, are going to have those quirky things they're still working on to get through, you know, because that's what stage they are in life. But there's, I definitely notice a big difference between three and four. Absolutely. We're still like really excited about seven because that looks awesome, but, <laughs> yeah. but five is five and four have been much better than two and three. I keep thinking Nathan, he's he's almost three ish. Like he'll be three in March. I'm like, oh, we still have a whole other year. <laughs> His tantrums and stuff. I haven't thought about that, and I don't. I was just thinking about I that today. To. That's <laughs> gross. Like, oh, it's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, right when he's out of it, Jack will jump right in. It's like, mm -hmm. we, we always have a two-year-old and a three-year-old. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it is also important to know uh, that once your kids hit about five, if they're still having temper tantrums, that's when it's no longer normal. So if they're still having severe issues with that at five, then that might be a good time to get counseling or talk to therapists who, who can help you work through that with your kid. Yeah, that can be hard for the kid, you mm -hmm. know, if they haven't learned to control that. For whatever reason, that could be damaging to their self-esteem or, you know, as they're trying to make friends and yeah, their social stuff, that could be tricky. Mm -hmm. So to wrap up, because I'm the wrap-up guy. You are. Uh, <laughs> You're just good at it. <laughs> uh, manage the effects of tantrums. So just recognize this is developmentally appropriate. They're actually responding the best way they know how. And the only way to get through that is to... Teach them feeling words. Give them the words to talk about it, but be patient. In our experience, they're going to be four before they really get there. Ignore it. We're big believers in the ignore it. There's other things you can do, though. Um, you can create a diversion. You can give them hugs. And then just be willing to laugh because sometimes your kid's going to melt down in the middle of the store with everybody around. So just try and control your response, even if you can't control theirs. And then when it does come to preventing tantrums, you can't prevent them all. But remember that there's some hot buttons. Know your kids' hot buttons. For us, it's hunger, heat, and sleepiness. And so we know you know, not to go out at those times and to be prepared for those things. Establish a routine. Give them limited choices. Carry snacks. Whatever you need to do, You know, be ready to, to help them when they do have their meltdowns. 
And then remember the goal is to teach them self-regulation, that the goal is that they can someday manage this for themselves. And it is going to take two years, unfortunately, to learn this, but you can do it, practice, give them situations at home where they can do that, where it's taking turns or sharing or whatever. Focus on the positive and uh, buckle up. If you've got a 17-month-old, just hug them and kiss them and love them because in a month, it all changes. It all hits the fan, and it's going to be nuts for a few years. But but uh, four gets better, and in general, I think it is rewarding to hear your kids talk about their emotions when they do come out of this. And, you know, occasionally Cammie and Chloe will say, I'm so frustrated, I feel angry, and it's not a lot. But occasionally you hear that, and it's like, oh, hallelujah. You know, like <laughs> we can talk about this stuff now. There, there's a light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. And two and three is hard, but it's also a very sweet time. I think that's when your kids give you hugs and kisses the most, and they're exploring and discovering life. So it is hard, but there are some really great things about two and three-year-olds, too. So not to be Debbie Downers. No. Yeah. yeah two and three-year-olds are awesome, but <laughs> awful also. So embrace it. Literally yeah. hug them yeah. because they're better when you're hugging them than when you're not. For next time, we would love to hear how you handle or prevent tantrums, or maybe your best tantrum story. So let us let us know your horror story, fitting for Halloween week, right? Yeah. Uh, tell us your tantrum horror story, or uh, how you handle or prevent them with your kids. And, as always, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can follow Alexis on Instagram at learnasweGo, or you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at at Alan T. Tanner. And I'm at Alexis Tanner 1. You can also uh, check out my blog, learnasweGo.org. I also put the podcast on there if you want to listen to it there. Um, or you can email us at parentinginreallifepodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. And as always, a special thanks to our four kids for being kids. They can't see that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Peace. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs>